Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek podcast, the internet's best resource for ambitious students looking to get ahead, but a terrible resource for learning all the secret hacks and tricks to win Wario Land 3 for the Game Boy Color. Ooh, I didn't play that Which, game. That was a good game. Very good game. Also, yeah. happy belated Halloween. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, happy belated Halloween indeed. It's not Halloween yet for us, but we're bad at timing, so it's already over for you. We are bad at timing. Whoops. But Halloween never ends in my heart. Yeah. Ever. Until Christmas, but the moment Christmas ends, I do want to keep the tree up for an extra two months until it burns my house down because it gets too dry. Well, that's at what which you're supposed point, to do, especially in Colorado. Yes. At which point, Halloween is back to being front and center in my mind. Yeah. Because it's my favorite. It's the best. It is pretty good. We went to the zoo last night. They had a bunch of spooky stuff. It was cool. Though everyone was in onesies, and I regretted not owning a John Cena printed onesie. Ah. So. Yes. Now you know what to get me for Christmas. Yep. Something like that. (laughs) Anywho, my name is Thomas Frank. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin Bamey. Or are you Martin Bamey? No, not today. I don't know. Not today. Yeah. For anybody watching the YouTube version of this, I think it's pretty obvious who I am, but uh, we will let the audience guess who you are. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. I want to see if they can guess it. That's true. You got to guess it. Did you also recently watch the movie that you are from? I did not recently watch it. I watched a few clips before this, but oh, okay. I do I do love it. I'm not going to give yeah. any more hints, though. You got to guess this. I also love it. We watched it pretty recently, or at least had it on while <clears throat> Anna was doing crafts and I was doing something. So, on the last episode we published, somebody requested that we do an episode on video games. And I was like, say no more, fam. <laughs> I like video I games. I like video games. It turns out um, they are one of my favorite things in the world. And they have played a pretty big role in many of the videos that I've made. So, today we are going to talk about video games, about whether they're worth your time, about how you can get over an addiction if you have one. Uh, and I would think one question they had there was how do I reconcile the fact that I'm playing these 30 to 60 hour campaigns with the fact that I have goals? Yeah. Um, but I also just want to casually discuss them, talk about some of our favorites. So consider this a bit more of a fun episode. We are in costumes. It is Halloween it makes after sense. all. Yeah. We did dress up last year too. So now we have a, tra- a tradition going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the year before that we weren't on video. Yeah, I don't so think nobody can conclusively prove whether or not we were dressed up. Even I can't that prove year. because I have no idea. I have no memory of this place or moment. So I could have been dressed up. It could have been very extravagant. It could have been like a full, authentic samurai armor set. Yeah. Which I now kind of want. Anyway, what all do you got written down for this episode? Oh, well, I got some stuff about time management. Okay. Here, you know, about how to make sure I'm not playing too many games. Yeah. But how to still get to play them. Um, well, let's uh, start off with this question. Are video games even worth your time? If you like them. And I, yeah, this, so this question is always weird to me because nobody ever asks like, is Netflix worth my time? But they still watch Netflix. 
Yeah, there I is, would argue that Netflix TV is worth, worth less than a video game because at least games are interactive. And, yeah. And oftentimes video games actually have really good stories, and that's just that a game was the way that the author chose to make it. That's true. It's yeah. Like, but yeah, well, I mean, it's fun. If you have fun, it's worth your time. If you don't like them, no, don't do them. Mm-hmm. It's not going to like make you a better anything else. Do you remember the three hobbies thing that we once talked about on the show? Yeah, you're supposed to have like a creative one. A, I think it was like a healthy one and a money one. Yeah, so a hobby that makes you more creative or at least gives you some sort of creative output that you can show. Uh, a hobby that makes you money and then a hobby that increases your fitness or makes you healthier yeah i don't remember where that came from but it's pretty good i just i I honestly think it was some random person on reddit who typed it in so it wasn't some famous person saying this is how i became successful i liked it video games don't really fit into any of those categories unless you're in a very select group of people maybe you are a developer or a level designer or a writer and you're making games so you're playing games because it's like a taste builder for the most part, I would say video games don't really fit into any of those categories. They don't make you fit unless you're playing rhythm games or possibly VR games. They don't really make you more money and they don't result in a creative output. Yeah, you're unless you're playing like Mario Maker. But Mario that, that's Maker's, like absurdly yeah. not that many of them. True. For most games, you're just kind of, you're going through a pre-built campaign that somebody else imagined. Yeah. You know, you're not really imagining something yourself. Minecraft may be an exception to that. Uh, But I would say that if your life is together and you have things that are improving your fitness, um, the money one I'll come back to and in something that is improving your creative output and you've got time left over and video games are something you like to do, then there should be no guilt whatsoever. Yeah. If you've got your stuff together, then like do whatever you want with the free time. Yeah. If in fact, it kind of residually improves all three of the other ones if that's what you need to relax or enjoy life and make the other things worth it to you. Mm-hmm. So do you think that your life fits that model at the moment? Um, having the three hobbies? Yeah. Um, I can see one of your hobbies meeting two of the criteria see, already. A, um, wait, what's the third one? I got a creative one. Clearly I have a money one because I like a lot of what I'm doing on this job. Um, well, I was thinking that your creative one actually could be a money one as well. It could be because you're doing photography and you could sell that photography. It could, it could be. If you wanted to, um, or you could even be a photographer for events at some point in the future. Oh wait, the other one's exercise. I don't have that right now because the fun things that I would want to do are involving, I want to like, I can't rock climb right now. Yeah. My grip grip strength is once again down to half of what it should be because I just keep hurting myself. You are in healing mode right now. Yeah, so, so, you so get a I'll pass. work on that later. <laughs> you get a pass. Um, I don't really have a money one. But then again, my creative one is playing guitar and taking vocal lessons, and I could technically make money as a musician in the future if I wanted to. Yeah. So, and I think like the fact that you and I are kind of running a business is a little bit different than somebody who's in a job where yeah. their salary is kind of like at the whim of a boss. Oh yeah, like well, we certainly different. we don't have fixed hours. We put a lot of time into the job, so I don't feel super compelled to have a money hobby. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's why I haven't really bothered to do anything with the photos yet. I'm like I might sell them, but it's yeah. not it's not like I need to, you know, anytime soon. It's yeah, not, it's not if a, you want to make money, there's like a clearly better way to make it, and that's just yeah, I just find wanna, a way to yeah. you know, build the business. Um, creatively, so I've got the music, and then fitness wise, I have the Ninja Warrior training and rock climbing. So I'm good there. 
I'm reading and doing my habits and I'm getting my work done and I still play video games. Yeah, there's still time left over. You don't need yeah. to optimize every single second of yeah. your day to be productive because like uh, at, the, at the end of the day, I don't think that I will see those measurements on my deathbed and I don't, I, yeah. I just want to have enjoyed myself in some regard and done good stuff. If I can do both, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, what about people who maybe aren't doing those things and they're spending too much time playing video games? Who don't games? have like the other three yeah. things going on. Well, um, earlier, earlier this year, actually, uh, pretty early this year, I was playing way too many games and I didn't like it. And it occurred to me that video games do not have any effect whatsoever on my self-esteem. So at mm. the time, I, was, I wasn't feeling too good about myself. I wasn't getting as much accomplished as I wanted. And, you know, and I just kind of like, I would want to play games when I was done working. I just play games. But that hobby, while fun, does not actually improve anything else. So I would have the fun, and then as soon as I'm done playing, well, now I feel bad again because yeah. I'm not distracted by games. So I changed it up because basically everything it was replacing, reading books, cooking, going outside, social, every one of the other things that I would do instead does improve my self-esteem and mm-hmm. accomplishment feeling. Even reading fiction? Yeah. I feel, I feel good reading books. It's, it feels like a, strong part, a stronger part of my identity than, than games. Mm. And so I decided that I was going to play video games on Fridays and Saturdays, and I was not going to use them as my hobby the other days because then I actually have room to do other things. Because yeah. otherwise, you start playing a game, you're like, I'm going to play a little bit. And then you played like three or four hours <laughs> on accident, or at least I do. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, now I don't have time for the other things. Mm-hmm. So I just, Friday and Saturday, play all the games I want. The rest of the week, do other hobbies and projects. Yeah. Why do you think reading fiction makes you feel better about yourself, but playing a video game doesn't? Well, reading has some pretty concrete benefits, but I, I've read like hundreds and hundreds of books mm-hmm. since I was a kid. And uh, reading improves my ability to communicate, improves my vocabulary. That's true. It improves my ability to uh, read and understand other things better. Yeah. But And sometimes I'm reading in another language, which obviously would I would feel accomplished for. And oftentimes my worldview or sense of uh, ethics or ideas can be changed or new ideas can come to me from reading fiction. Mm-hmm. Like the way I um, interpret the world around me yeah. can be changed. And with video games, rarely there is a game with a story that's good enough for me to get into it like a book. But that's not the primary motive of yeah. most games. And you aren't spending most of the time experiencing the story. You're spending most of the time doing the interactive part. Mm-hmm. But with the book, like, and I mean, think about if you compare it to a movie, the, at the speed of which people speak, how long would it take to actually make a movie that covered as many words and stuff as a book? It would take yeah. like absurdly long for you to get that much uh, linguistic interaction. Yeah, it'd be a long movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think there's one game that has a story where I genuinely feel like it changed me as a person for the better, and that's Celeste. And maybe you would agree. I'm not sure. I love Celeste. Celeste changed my perspective on anxiety. Like, and it's actually, you know, it's funny. Like, I had my first real experience with it this week. Yeah. And we can talk about that later at some point. But uh, before that, I'd never really experienced any kind of like intense anxiety. So I never really understood it from an empathetic standpoint until I played that game. And I've heard a lot of people who have experienced anxiety say, like, this game helped me a lot. But even with a game like that, 
99% of the time of your time with that game is just hammering away at platforming challenges. Yeah. Not actually experiencing the story. So it's very different than reading a book. Yeah. Whereas if when I read like a Kurt Vonnegut book, I almost always come away with like a, whoa, that's a really interesting viewpoint. Yeah. Is there a way or is there a way I should try to apply this to what I'm doing or mm-hmm. to the way I see things? It's And you can see through other people's – if I read a book um, through the eyes of anybody that's not like me in any in any potential way, other countries, other skin color, other job, other mental situations and, you know, not OCD, whatever, I get to see more empathetically – through their eyes. And if everybody read books that had main characters that weren't like them, I think that we would all be more open-minded. So Yeah, I think you're right. Like it's it's a it's harder to see through somebody's eyes, but through a book that's like kind of how you default do it cuz you imagine it all yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess one more thing I want to mention about video games is I th- they are like I think they're pure escapism for the most part. And if anyone listening to this is the kind of person who's investing too much time, one thing I want to emphasize is that I don't think video games can really build your internal self-confidence very well. And the reason I bring this up is because we had a friend who, outside of school and later when he got a job work, would basically play video games like for all of his free time. And he was pretty adamant about the fact that like that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So what is the reason that, you know, why, what's the reason I should go out and do something else? Why do I need to go do all these other things that you guys do? Because this is what I want to do. I'm like comfortable with the fact that this is my life. But there were several occasions where we realized that when somebody would disagree with his opinion on a game or on a movie or some other, some other piece of media, he would feel personally attacked by it. And we eventually, we had this long discussion where he kind of realized that his, his entire self-confidence was built upon feeling like he had very good taste in games and movies and music and all kinds of stuff like that. And there was no internal self-confidence. There was no core that allowed him to emotionally process somebody not liking the things he liked. Cause that was sort of like what the entire foundation was built upon. Yeah. So, and I think like he's improved massively over the past several years because he no longer does just that. Yeah, he's writing just, a book and doing all these things. And now it's like, oh, you don't like the thing I like? That's cool. Yeah. Doesn't attack me personally. And games, I don't think that they're going to do much for your self-esteem unless you are a professional gamer potentially. Yeah. And because of that, like zoning them off into certain days is I treat them the same way that basically I treat alcohol, which is if I'm already feeling great about myself, it can occasionally be enjoyable. But if I'm not that's likely to just become a bad coping mechanism that's not going True. to help me. Yeah. The video games do not make me better at the things that I would be sad about where I would try to escape to video games. Mm-hmm. So it's like a loop that you can't get out of if you use it that way. Actually, let's explore that for a bit because we've said on this podcast before that neither of us ever want to drink alcohol when we're feeling sad or when we feel like we need to quote unquote take the edge off Yeah. because – if you do that, you are establishing a habit, essentially. You have a, a need that needs to be fulfilled, which is that I need to de-stress. Uh, the alcohol makes me feel good. Therefore, my brain sees that as the solution to the problem. So next time I feel stress, it will now crave a drink. Yeah, we're very habit-based. Yeah, and um, I think James Clear's book that we're going to discuss in a few weeks 
even mentions that as an example. So that is clearly an unhealthy habit to put yourself into. But I have trouble flat out uh, not recommending video games as a way to de-stress. Like it just it just seems like it would be kind of silly for me to say, oh, if you need to you know, de-stress, don't play a video game. Because I do that sometimes. And I don't feel like it's an unhealthy behavior, but the principle is the same. So I don't know, is there a disconnect there or is this just something that well, I think doesn't apply to games. I think that with games, it depends on how you play them. Like if I, if I once or twice a week, if I'm if I'm de-stressing playing Monster Hunter with uh, my friends online, mm-hmm. I don't see anything bad about that. I think that that's a cool. I'm being social and it helps me. But uh, for example, if I get myself addicted to World of Warcraft mm. and I am forgetting to feed myself every night and I'm doing nothing but playing Warcraft and I'm staying now it's clearly unhealthy there. Yeah. And like I think the same thing does apply to alcohol in a way in that I only usually ever have like one drink and never I don't really get intoxicated almost ever. Yeah. So for me it's it doesn't really even become mildly a bad habit because mm-hmm. I just don't. So if you do the same thing with games, if you don't take it too far, then it's that makes sense. Yeah. But the other one is a substance that's more likely to become a habit physically. True. Yeah, I guess alcohol has the also added potential to form a physical dependence. And I suppose one thing I didn't think about before is the fact that if you have free time at night, then playing a game probably isn't harming you in any substantial way and it's not getting in the way of your goals. Yeah. Whereas having a drink... I mean, I drink in moderation. I'm not going to go out and say, like, I never do, and you should never, ever, ever drink. But if you drink too much, it's it's poison. I think there's an identity thing here, too, Mm. because if I identify as the kind of person who can't get through a stressful thing without a drink, I'm setting myself up for something bad. But I don't – I think even if I played games to de-stress, I wouldn't be like, I can't handle stressful things without my 3DS. That's true. You're not thinking I need this. It's not a societal thing where you view that as the solution. It might be your solution. You can de-stress with it it, sometimes, but there's a societal thing where, oh, I just need to take the edge off. That's a thing that people do. So you might start to identify and be like, I'm just one of those people who can't do it without alcohol. Right. But you're not going to be like trying to talk to somebody that you think is pretty cute at a party, right? And you're walking, give me a few (laughs) minutes with my 3DS. (laughs) Get my confidence. If I'm playing Mario, I'm real good at this level. Hey there. It's not like you're not going to do that. Yeah. It's not going to become a part of your identity in that way. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a framing issue. You're never going to say, I need, I need, you know, my monster hunter to get through this. Yeah. You wouldn't, but you might think. You wouldn't likely do that. And right. that identity is, is going to make the alcohol more likely harmful mm-hmm. because if you fall into that, then it seems normal that you might need yeah. it. So games are like an outlet for stress rather than a solution for fixing stress yeah, or for getting you back to a normal state or for building up your social confidence to be able to talk to somebody. Yeah. Like it's, it's not going to make me any better at the party. You know, I'm still going to be, I'm still going to be pretty socially dumb if I'm like, if I think that playing (laughs) a bunch of Mario first is the reason that I'm going to get confident. (laughs) Let me play this one level. If I beat world four, eight. I mean, eight, four. <laughs> if I, if I, if I beat, beat it, this level. I'm going to talk to this girl. Yeah. <laughs> if not, I don't deserve oh, to. I died. I guess I'm going home. Oops. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about like addiction because while they are not physically addictive and there's a big difference between an addiction to a substance and an addiction to a video game, yeah. they can build a psychological dependence especially with games like Candy Crush that are literally built to be addictive. What should people do if they find themselves 
actually addicted or they feel that they are addicted and it's interrupting their work or making it hard for them to focus. Well, I, I, w- I would say that a psychological habit like that is it. Well, there it is. It's very habit based mm-hmm. is what I was going to say. So that's why I said habit definitely. But in that you, you're probably going to want to find some sort of a replacement habit mm-hmm. to take its place because otherwise any time where you're like, this is the time when I would play a video game and it's the only thing I know to do in this situation. Yeah. You, what are you going to do? You can't just like do nothing. Your brain True. wants a solution. And this is also in the, in the James Crow book. We'll talk about it more later. But like you have habits for a reason. It's because they solve something. They solve yeah. some part of a situation that you're in. So if that's what I do every night and I, and it's because I'm trying to de-stress, not to fix, not to fix it so that I'm more confident or anything, but to de-stress, then I need something else that will de-stress me. Otherwise, if I just try to stop playing games, I'm just going to be stressed. And that's, yeah, that's not going to like work. My brain's going to be like, why are you doing this? This sucks. We're mm-hmm. stressed. We need to fix it. So maybe you could do a sort of paired thing where I'm going to take 30 days off of either video games in general, or maybe the one game that's a problem for you, whether it's World of yeah. Warcraft or yeah. League of Legends or Overwatch or something that has a tendency to be addictive. And you also sign up for a photography class or you join a sport or something like that. Yeah. And or I, you I think start a D&D campaign with your friends. Even if you did that, you know, even if it, if you couldn't do 30 days, you really want to play the new game that's coming out. Even if you just cut it in like half or a third, you're like, I'll play games like, you know, I'll play games on uh, Monday mm-hmm. and, and Thursday and Saturday. And the other days I'm going to do this other thing. Now you've broken the habit streak. Yeah. It's not a habit because you're not always doing it. You start mm-hmm. to split it up with other things. Now your habit is to choose one of the things that helps you relax yeah. rather than to immediately jump to video games. And I know something that you've also done is to make slight changes to your environment to make video games less of a pull during the day. Yeah. So like you have your show to screen in front of your TV all day. You still do that? Yes. Yep. I have it up right now. It makes my living room look super zen, but also it is easier for me to read in my living room now Yeah. because I go in there and so I don't have a couch. I don't have chairs unless I usually I have my desk there, but I'm facing the opposite way. So mm-hmm. I don't see the games yet. So when I'm facing any direction that I would see the TV at, I'm usually on the, on a floor cushion. Okay. So I can't see above the shoji screen and I can't see my TV or the games. If I can see them, I see the like 12 games that are in new packaging that make me feel like I'm supposed to play them. But yeah. if it's covered up, I don't want I don't care at all unless I independently think, "Hmm, I'd like to play a game." And that's fine. I thought of it myself. Mm-hmm. But if it's a habit like if I just see it and it's like, "Hey Martin, I'm right over here. It'll take like 3 seconds to boot up because the switch is awesome." then uh, then I might just do it for a few seconds and then get locked in for longer than I want. Yeah. And you also bring up something that I want to mention to people who have a small living space. So we often talk about making a separate workspace from your gaming space, your cooking space, or your sleeping space. And that's doable for people who can leave home to do work or for people who have a big enough apartment or house to have separate rooms. But what you're doing is actually just slightly changing one room that is still multifunctional yeah to better the context of what you're doing so like you said you have your desk facing away from the tv and then you put a pretty cheap shoji screen in front of the tv when you're not gaming 
Yeah, and as soon as I take it down, I'm like, yes, I'm about to play games or I'm going to watch something with Ashley. I know what I'm about to do when I take the shoji screen down, but when it's up, that's not my default activity at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's work time. Yeah. And do you have anything that, else that like sort of gets your workspace ready for work? For work specifically? Yeah. Um, I'm finding that for coding work, having it in standing mode helps. It's one of those, like, you crank it and the desk goes up and down, so it's mm-hmm. not even an electronic button. Um, Is it the one from Ikea? Yeah, it's the one from Ikea. It was, it was a lot cheaper than most um, electronic ones. It's like half the price. But... Standing mode is really good for me for coding because I need to kind of like pace back and forth and think Mm -hmm. a lot. And um, I make a specific tea. Like I have a very specific type of tea that I've now been drinking just when I'm working. And it's actually helping me focus more. I don't drink my green tea. I like that for all the time. Yeah. But I have this like chocolate puar that I I got at Whole Foods. And I'm like that. Now, when I smell it, when I start drinking it, I'm like, I guess I'm working at least until this tea is gone. Yeah. Is that the um, the bag stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. The new me, it's at Whole Foods. Yeah. Stuff's good. But and so people may be able to find it at other grocery stores. Yeah. Because I, I just, used to get I just it. Haven't Ivy, looked. I haven't looked. It's not like Whole Foods specific at all now. Um, but yeah, I have a specific drink now. I have a specific um, focus playlist, and I put Brain FM, like Rain or Wind or one of the more non-musical ones in the background so that it works with my study music. Oh, that's cool. So I get the cool brainwaves, storm blocking out everything thing, but I also get my little playlist of instrumental stuff. Yeah. On Brain FM, when you do a a rain sound or something like that, does it still kind of have that Yeah, it's still got the weird pulsing stuff, so I do that. With the with my little focus playlist, mm-hmm. and then um, I got the drink, and I'm standing. I'm facing away from the wall. Nice. Or facing away from my piano, the bookshelf, the table, my games. I can't see anything else. Yeah. So you're you're just tailoring your environment <clears throat> in several different ways for work. Yeah. To sort of get your brain in the work mode, and the games are really not even an issue anymore. No. And if I'm relaxing, I've got my Kindle and the physical book that I'm reading right now. Right on the – so I got a like a coffee table that's got a little under shelf. Mm-hmm. They're right there on the shelf where I see them. So I see them. Yeah. So now in my free time, I'm more likely to be like, oh, hey, my Kindle, and just start reading. Yeah. But I don't see the games until I choose to see them. Yeah. I think that's important. We're like – we're a product of our environment. Yeah, things draw things draw our attention, and then we just go, oh, hey, that thing that I just got reminded of because it was right there. It's the same thing with the app locations on mm-hmm. your phone. Like, how many do you have memorized? Could you tap your way to Instagram without looking? I think a lot of people could. Ooh, on that note, so I put Instagram way at the back of a folder. So I have to swipe over to a second screen, open the folder, and I have to swipe eight times yeah. to get to Instagram. I have not really been on it that often. It needs to be it out takes of, forever to get to. Know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Totally works when you do it on purpose for stuff. Mm-hmm. There has been a slight downside in that I haven't been posting very much, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think it's okay. And I can, I can just, I don't know, use buffer or build a habit for posting, but I haven't been mindlessly scrolling nearly as much Yeah, because it's just not there. I look at my phone and my brain is like, I want to be distracted. I'm going to look at my phone. And then there's the, the home screen is nothing to distract me. What am I going to look at? My workout tracker, my calendar. Yeah. It's like, it's not there's exciting. nothing there. So, yeah. yeah, but, like, with this kind of stuff in mind, if you can make it so that video games are a healthy and fun, like, part of life without them detracting from other things. Mm-hmm. 
This week's episode of our show is brought to you, like almost every episode these days, by our friends over at Brilliant. Brilliant is an excellent platform for learning math, science, and computer science, but also becoming an overall better learner and better problem solver because Brilliant's approach to building courses is an incredibly active one. You're gonna find yourself thrown into incredibly challenging problems that require you to sink your teeth in and really think to solve them right away, unlike with passive learning. So in lectures, you find yourself sitting in a classroom, you're getting talked at, you have to introduce yourself, there's all this preamble before you can really start doing something with that subject that you have a little bit of interest in. And that can kind of extinguish that spark many times. But with Brilliant's approach, you find yourself having to use what you know to solve a problem right away. And that makes you a better problem solver, but it also keeps that level of interest high. Now in Brilliance Library, there are a ton of different courses. Like I said, again, across the fields of math, uh, science and computer science. You're gonna find calculus courses, algebra courses, a course on gravitational physics, a course on computational biology, uh, courses on computer science, algorithms, and all sorts of really cool stuff. But for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can probably see that I'm dressed as Sherlock Holmes this week. So I, of course, have to recommend their course on logic because without logic, how can you solve problems in the first place? And honestly, Brilliant's course on logic is a very good one. It brings you logically, pun intended, through many of the core concepts in the field of logic. So definitely check that course out. Or if you have an interest in another topic, check out one of the other courses. And if you wanna start learning for free today, you can go over to brilliant.org slash college info geek. And if you're one of the first 83 people to use that link and sign up, you're also gonna get 20% off of your annual premium subscription. Once again, brilliant.org slash college info geek. And I wanna give a huge thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and being a gigantic supporter of College Info Geek and everything we do here. Let's get back into it. One thing I will mention, so a lot of games have extrinsic motivators in the form of metrics that make you wanna play more. So for example, Overwatch or Splatoon or any kind of competitive shooter has ranks that you work your way up through. And if you're the kind of person who can totally self-regulate or you're fine with the amount of gaming you're doing, sure, go ahead and play competitive mode. But I play quick play because there really isn't a whole lot I get rewarded for playing. Like I really, all I get is experience points to get loot boxes, which we could go on about how bad loot boxes are some other day, but there's no rank that I'm constantly grinding for. I don't finish a match and go, oh, I'm so close to B rank or whatever. Yeah, and just two more hours. More, and then I, of course, lose a match and go down. I have to reclaim the ground I lost. I just play quick play. And when I'm bored of playing the game for the fun of playing's sake, then I'm done. So I don't find Overwatch addicting. I'll play two matches tops now, and then I'm done. So does it not give you any rank at all? I've never played There's Overwatch. no rank in, in quick play. There's nothing. Yeah, see, that's, uh, there's, that's probably there's what There's a secret matchmaking rank, and basically... So like, I guess it does give you a level, but the level is really just like how much you've played. And you could be going up against a level 500 and you could be a 100, you could totally destroy them because it's literally just how many matches have you played and there's a little bit of extra experience given if you're okay. you know, good and you win or something like that. But it's not like a, a tiered ranking kind of thing. So really like, I don't know, I don't care about the loot boxes. I don't care about the experience because loot box never gives me anything I want. And I realized I can never really see my skin when I'm playing anyway. So why do I care about getting skins? It's a first person yeah. shooter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, so that doesn't make, matter. You're just, you're just like trying to express yourself through these skins, but it's like such a minute. Yeah. 
thing. So really the only, I guess, rank is something called matchmaking rank, but it's nothing you ever see. It's just um, an internal metric that is used to try to match you up with players who are doing around as well as you are. So that way multiplayer doesn't get really unbalanced. Because if you only used experience, you would get super unbalanced teams and it would be fun for no one. Yeah. So, but that's not something you can see. So it's not, it's not something that would influence your desire to keep playing. Yeah. And, and with things that aren't multiplayer, like for that, for that same reason, I don't try to 100% my games. Oh yeah. Like, yep. I'll do it for the first couple chapters, the first couple levels, because I'm, I'm really into it. I want to do everything. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I notice I'm getting stuck because I'm trying to 100% achieve this part of the game and it's starting to make me annoyed, then I'm like, okay, here's the thing. That's not uh, that fun right now. So what I'm going to do is now, now that I've done enough 100%ing and I'm getting annoyed at it, I'm just going to run right through the story, only doing side quests that seem particularly fun. And if I beat the game and I still desperately want to play, now I've still got stuff to do. Now I can I can go closer to 100%, yeah. but it never matters to me if I hit it. And I, I do 100% the achievements in a few things, but usually I'll beat the game first, and then I'm just like, actually, it's still fun, so yes. I'm going to keep playing, not but I can't finish the game <laughs> until I get all the achievements. I, mm -hmm. I have, so I just finish it first so that that's not even a motivator. I think that's how you and I both played Mario Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Just ran through the story. I think and I'm only missing back. like one thing in oh, there. I'm, I'm and I might much. go back later because I still will want to play it again. But yeah. it's actually kind of cool because I'm leaving myself more stuff to do. Yeah. It's more replay value if I ignore 100%ing. Exactly. You didn't grind your way through because of some sense of obligation. You well, just then played like, when it was fun. What if I was excited about the next level, but I was like, not until I 100% this one, and mm -hmm. now, now I'm like taking away the fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I want to talk about some of our favorite games in a second. But one last little note that I want to make here is mobile games. Um, and I think to some extent, desktop and console games are starting to adopt these strategies, but they started in mobile games. Games like Candy Crush and Puzzle and Dragons they are optimized for addiction and also for making money off of you. Yep. Uh, and I have firsthand experience with this. I'll admit back in 2013, oh, I started yeah. playing Puzzle and Dragons and I ended up spending $200 oh, on that game. Mm, and, that and could you know have bought you quite a few good games. Exactly. And it's not a game where you get to you know go in and see, oh, I want that monster. I will buy it for X number of dollars. It's, I really need that monster. So I'm going to buy gems so I can buy pulls of a slot machine. It's literally gambling. The only reason it's not illegal is because you're not gambling for money. But to somebody who is really into this game and wants to get past this level, and you can't get past this level unless you have another fire monster that has a specific stat level, it's basically the same thing. Your brain cannot differentiate the importance between dollars and getting that monster. So you'll just keep pulling away at the slot machine. Yeah, they're doing the variable mm -hmm. return yeah, sort of thing. It's variable return. So it's that uncertainty principle. Um, the other thing is, and I read an article about this. Maybe we can find it for the show notes. I'm not sure because it was several years ago. They've done like actual user research and eye tracking and heat maps and all kinds of data to find how you know long they should give out free stuff before they really put the squeeze on and start making you buy things. So they basically know exactly how long they should let you play and exactly how many little freebies they should dole out and exactly what what uncertainty rate that they should give out rares and commons and such 
that uh, they can maximize the amount of money you'll spend and the amount of time you will keep playing the game. Yeah, it's basically like it's compared to people like Kojima or somebody making a game because they're just like in love with this concept they're yeah. creating. This is like video games at their most evil. It's the most cynical. It doesn't yeah. they don't care at all about the creation. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. or somebody did and then they were quickly overridden by their boss who was like, "Wait a second. Yeah. I think we can manipulate people with this." <laughs> exactly. So if you're playing games like these or or you're playing games like uh, maybe even like Fortnite. I don't know exactly how Fortnite's purchasing system works because I don't play that game. Uh, but even Overwatch, they have a loot box system. So if you're the kind of person who really wants all the skins for a certain character, you have to gamble your way to get those. And that's really not good for your brain and can be a huge waste of money. So guard your mind against games that use these tactics. And maybe choose to play games that don't use them. Yeah. You know, and heck, maybe if we all choose to play games that don't use them, we will convince the industry to not use those tactics anymore. One can only hope. Not anytime <laughs> soon. Probably. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that's all the productive stuff. Yeah. So I want to talk about uh, each of our top 10 favorite games. Yeah, bonus round. Just, just list them off. And maybe there'll be some discussion. I'm wondering if we're going to have any overlap. I feel that there is the potential for two and only two games that could overlap between us. I I see the possibility of maybe 3, but okay. I could I could never see more than that. All right. We don't we don't really play the same games most of the time. No, we don't. And also mine are not in order except for the first one. Okay. Mine so. are in a tentative order. I've been thinking about it. Okay. You know. I think mm, maybe these are in order. They feel in order for me right now, but they could change. Okay. I'll let you start with your your number 10. Oh, number 10. I'm going to go with Monster Hunter World just to be specific with a Monster Hunter. But really, I'm referring to all Monster Hunter. The whole series? Because I love it so much. Do you like World the best because it doesn't have water levels? Uh, Yes, I do. It, World <laughs> has the best features. That's why it gets to be my namesake, Monster mm. Hunter. But I love the whole series just as much because it's basically the same thing. And that's the one I played with you, right? Yeah, the PS4 one. Yeah. It's super good. That's a game that I feel is... I love it. At least for me, not not a threat when it comes to addiction. I'll hunt one or two monsters that takes about an hour, and then I'm done. Well... But maybe... Uh, okay, uh, so I guess you do have to put all the things you take from the monsters into the forge to get certain gear, well, so if you really care... In a previous one, Brandon and I did fight an hour-plus-long monster 60-plus times. <laughs> but... Okay, I stand corrected. We got that armor. <laughs> so okay, so it does have some addictive qualities <laughs> if you let it. That's watch out. Maybe I didn't find it addictive. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my number ten is uh, Guitar Hero Three. I just love that game, and specifically three because three had the best system for hammering on and pulling off. So it just had some of the most inc- like insane note charts, like the Dragon Force songs were on there. Okay, and I loved playing those games. So yeah, not much more to say about them. Yeah. Uh, all right, number number nine. Number nine. Celeste. This is my newest edition oh. and is the reason that I reconsidered my top games because 
I recently finished all the seasides, which were very difficult. Yeah. And I loved it. And I still kind of want to play it, even though I'm at the point <laughs> where, like, I don't think that I want to do the things that are left. But I keep trying every once in a while anyway. I just pick it up. It's a great game. The music, the the, the look, the gameplay, everything about it is just, like, the perfect platformer challenge game to me. Because I usually don't even like that genre. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not something you typically play. No, it's it's a... It's a stranger in my in my top ten. It is nothing like the rest of them. Wouldn't you know it, my number nine is also Celeste. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier, that, that game actually changed my perspective on anxiety. But um, it's also the best platformer I've played. In terms of pure platforming, it did dethrone Super Mew Boy. It's so good. I think I... I really love Super Meat Boy's physics and the fact that it feels like you have so much momentum, but the later levels of Celeste had so much technicality and rhythm that they almost felt like a rhythm game. Oh, you just gotta beat the rest now. I am stuck on the last level's B side. That's fair, that one's a little difficult. It is so tough, and I'm just like, after 100 or so tries, I ask myself, what am I doing right now? So I'll yeah, probably you should go only do it when it. you're in the mood. You, <laughs> yeah. should, you shouldn't force it. You should only do it when you're just like feeling an urge for some Celeste. And I'm sure I'll get back into it someday. And because of the spacing principle, I'll just crush that level. But for now, I'm not doing so hot. Anyway, number eight for you. Uh, my number eight is Animal Crossing. This is referring to the GameCube one, but once again, refu- refers to the whole series. But that's my favorite one. Is there an Animal Crossing for the Wii or Wii U? It's like a core one? There is one on the Wii. They skipped Wii U. Okay. And they haven't done a Switch one yet. They're going to. They have one announced. Right. So there's been two core Animal Crossing games? There there are some on the DS and 3DS. But are they real Animal Crossing yeah. games? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, there are full ones. Gotcha. I could only but, remember the Happy Home But I love them. One. They're so good. Those are games I could not get into, but I kind of wish I could because they seem really relaxing to play. Yeah, it's like the perfect winding down half hour to me. Mm-hmm. Like if I had one at the end of the day, and I haven't had one in a while, Nintendo. So I'm looking forward to it. Have you played that Harvest Moon game? That I it's not Harvest Moon. No. What is the name of that game? I know Some you're talking farming about farming game that I totally know the name of. Um, I just cannot think of it right no, now. No, I don't remember right now. But I haven't played it. Okay, you might like that. I don't know. It's it's relaxing. It's it's a good wind down game. Yeah. I just don't like the fact that you have a limited amount of energy and you have to go to sleep. So you can only do a little bit and then you got to go to sleep and reset. I just wish I could just play. Mm. Which I think that's how Harvest Moon was, at least in the Game Boy. Well, Animal Crossing follows real world time. So like it's nighttime and the the shops close. And like there are holidays and and there's weather. And it's, it's so good. Yeah, a day in this farming game that I can't think of uh, and there's going to be a ton of people in the comments just yelling at me because it's a very popular game. It's like the game. Switch one, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking I about. Just, I just Stardew Valley. That's it. That's the name. I thought I had Star. That's the name. Yeah, a day in that is 10 minutes, I think. So I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to get something done, and then all of a sudden it's bedtime. That kind of frustrates me. Anyway, my number eight is Marvel versus Capcom 3. I That's a good so game. I had so much fun just playing with you guys. That is a good game. Yeah. I was only good at one character, but I was good at one character. You were good at the lowest tier character in the yeah. game, but by golly, was, you were good. It was my highest tier. <laughs> yes, I loved that game, and uh, I kind of want to go play it again. I played Injustice 2 the other day with a friend, and the controls are so different. Yeah, I haven't played the second one. I just can't figure it the out. The first one has it's a cool really story. Cool, the story's cool. The story it's continues like in Injustice 2. Oh, nice. And I do love the super moves. Like, they're the most ridiculous in any fighting game I've seen. Yeah. So I kind of want to get good at it. 
Okay, am I on seven? You are on seven. Oh, that would be Golden Sun 2, The Lost Age. What a good game. Uh, for Game Boy I Advance. I love that game. It is a fantastic JRPG. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. That's a time sink and the game. And fir- the first one's great, too, but this one is my favorite. I never played the first one because I bought the second one used from GameStop, and it didn't have a case, so I just had the oh, cartridge. It's got like a tiny little subtitle and on the, there. Yeah, the subtitle is almost unreadable on the cartridge, so I just thought it said Golden Sun. And the game really doesn't do a whole lot to tell you it's a sequel. You're no, playing you can, as you new could characters. easily pick up where you're, yeah. So I was just like, this is a great game. And then eventually later on, I figured out that I'm playing the sequel. Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yep. Um, what am I, number seven? Yeah, yeah. Pokemon yeah. Fire Red. Oh, you've got a Pokemon game in here. I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think if I had gotten into later gen Pokemon games... I would probably not have a remake of the first gen on my favorites list because obviously the I know that the later games are better games and Gen 1 has a lot of quirks. But Red is what I grew up with and loved and Fire Red is the best version of it, I think. Nostalgia is a powerful motivator. It is. And I cannot say that it is not largely in charge of many of the things on my <laughs> list. Yep. Uh, what's your number six? Uh, that would be The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past for the Ooh, Super Nintendo. It's a good game. One of the first games I ever played. Really? Yeah. One of my very first video games. The first game I ever played Real ever good. was Link's Awakening. Oh, that was for one of my game first, too. I think my actual first was Zelda 2 for the for the NES. Okay. But, That's a tough first game to uh, play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't ever make it anywhere in that game. Uh, my number six is Portal 2. And this is another instance where I actually played the second game before the first one. I, for whatever reason, got Portal 2, I think on Steam deals, played it, and then went back and played Portal 1. So a lot of people I know like Portal a lot more than the second one. Oh, yeah? But I think because I played it first, I like the second one better. But I love them both. They could easily both be on here. I was trying to keep it kind of in variety. I try to I try to have one per series for the most yeah. part. Only one thing breaks that up, but... Yeah. I'm guessing it's Zelda. It is Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number five? Uh, my number five is Super Mario Odyssey, which recently Ooh. dethroned Super Mario Sunshine. Okay. Impressively for me, because nostalgia was very strong for Sunshine. Yeah. But Super Mario Odyssey is like the perfect 3D Mario. It's so good. And the controls are just so much better than anything that came before it. Yeah, when I beat a game and then I try to go back and 100% it because I don't want to stop, that is a sign to me that it is one of the better games I've played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I went and I tried to play Sunshine, and I didn't have the nostalgia factor because I had never played it before. So I just ended up frustrated. The controls can be a little obnoxious at yeah. times, and the camera can get stuck behind. Oh, there's a specific level where the camera's terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> I do love Galaxy great. and Galaxy 2. But I would agree that Odyssey is my favorite Mario game. Doesn't crack my top 10 list, though. Uh, number five for me is Overwatch. Easily my favorite first-person shooter, and I've just had so much fun with it. Over 200 hours of fun. (laughs) That's fair. But that's over the last... It's been two and a half years since that game came out now. It's been a long time. Yeah. All right, number four? Uh, Number four is uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Which is the only reason I broke my... Like, I broke one of my rules to have another... Have an extra Zelda in there oh yeah yeah but it's amazing that game is just life-changing at least for me it's one of the greatest games and i mean you can probably guess that it's on the list too yeah (laughs) i guessed perfectly that we had two overlaps yeah 
And I am I am very sure that we do not have more than two. Oh no, we've already passed Golden Sun and Odyssey, and those were the only other two that okay. were even half possible, but they weren't likely. Yeah. My number four is Enter the Gungeon, uh, which for people who haven't heard of this game, it's very much like Binding of Isaac, but with I think better controls and is less gross, which is the main reason I like it. But it also just has so many guns and so many enemies and so many just fun combinations and items. And it's a, it's a roguelike, so when you die, you have to go back to the start. But the, the levels change every time. And the gear you get changes every time. So it doesn't really get tiring. It's really hard, though. So go into it knowing that you're going to die many times. All right, number three. Number three Maybe is the top three. Pokemon Silver. Okay. For the Game Boy. So you we know? kind of have third um, overlap, actually. Yeah, kind it's of. A Pokemon kind game. of. I love all Pokemon games, and have put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of hours. Yeah. So L- literal silver. months of my life. Silver has two regions. You can go to Kanto and Johto. That's true. So it's like twice as long as the regular Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think nostalgia is a really strong thing here, but I really miss the pixel graphics. Oh, yeah. Just the 2D, 2D Pokemon is really cool to me. And the music's so good in that one. I, I really like it, and uh, some of my favorite Pokemon were in that one. It just kind of hit me at the perfect time. I love all Pokemon games. Yeah. But this one had the two regions, and I loved it. I actually did play Silver. I, d- I just don't know why it didn't make as much of an impression on me as Red did. I don't know. Because I know it's a better game. Well, yeah, and I mean, I mean te- basically and, and Soul Silver is it. a better Silver, and I love Soul Silver too. Yeah. But for nostalgia's sake... The Nostalgia is powerful. It is. Uh, number three is a very recent addition, Hollow Knight. Oh, yeah. I love Hollow Knight, and I think it's like it's very cemented at that top three spot. Um, for anyone who hasn't played it, Hollow Knight is kind of like a Metroid game if you added in some Dark Souls elements. When you die, you have to kind of go back to your ghost and reclaim it, otherwise you lose all your money. But the the soundtrack is my favorite game soundtrack the art is beautiful. The level design is amazing. There's nothing I can really find to fault within that game. It's amazing. And uh, for a game that costs $15, I spent, I think, 60 hours in it. So it's also yeah, it's very much high value. what you pay. <laughs> All right, number two. Paper Mario 2, The Thousand Year Door. Uh, yeah, okay. For the GameCube. I never played those. It is... It's really good. Those I, are, I those are kind of RPGs, right, right? Yeah, they're, they're just Mario RPGs. Nice. Uh, my number two, Breath of the Wild. It's up there. And Breath of the Wild, so that's the only game where I basically like just deleted a week of my life and didn't work to play that game. It's and worth it. No regrets. Seriously, no regrets. Uh, and I think my friend Steve from Nerd Fitness would say the exact same thing. No regrets for the time I spent on that game. And there are other open world games I like, but no other game has done what that game did. That game perfectly nailed the feeling of oh hey what's that thing over there that's clearly not on the path i'm supposed to be on i'm gonna go check it out and that turns into a whole adventure of its own yeah the exploration is like the best i've ever mm-hmm. experienced ever. and there's there's you know the, the map isn't littered with markers you don't even get a map you have to make it yourself and it's dense it, there mm-hmm. aren't big swaths of empty stuff there's nope. there's stuff everywhere yeah i mean that's it's so dense there's yeah like you said there's no empty copy and paste it anything you will stumble across things you did not know were there. And also it's got a bunch of great puzzles. Yeah. Like a hundred puzzle rooms. So loved that game. 
And, I mean, looking through here, it's one of the only story-based games, like adventure games, on here that, I don't know, like, I mean, I love Hollow Knight for the adventure as well, but it was also kind of like the combat mechanics and things like that. And the, it's almost like a fighting game and a platformer. Zelda, it wasn't like I loved the combat because the combat in Zelda's, it's okay. You know, the traversal is, it's okay, but just the overall package. Yeah. It was amazing. All right. Uh, number one is uh, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. And that's mm-hmm. why I say I broke my rule because before I was okay with one <laughs> 2D Zelda and one 3D. Yeah. But Breath of the Wild is so good that it still has to be there. But it does not dethrone Wind Waker to me. Okay. Because Wind Waker will probably always be my favorite game. Also, the replayability is higher because I can actually run through and beat that game again. It's true. And have fun. But with Breath of the Wild, I'm asking myself to give up another forever. Yeah, it's If true. I want to, like, explore it to the same degree. Yep. But uh, Zelda's pretty great, you know. That's... That's all. Good game series. My number one, uh, as many people who know me can probably guess, is Dance Dance Revolution and Pump It Up. I'm putting them both at the top together. I forget they count as video games. And you know what? They're the only game I can think of where I play them and I do feel better about myself. Yeah. Because it's an exercise thing. It, it makes and you, you have, fit. Yeah. It's literally a, like a foot agility practice drill that they do in football in game form. And yeah, I just but sometimes with like anime girls dancing on screen. Yeah, well, that just that's makes the it difference. <laughs> that's Why don't they I... have those at football practice? Yeah, Come yeah, on. they should have that at football practice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I'll go play some today because there's an arcade with many DDR machines and pump it up machines. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that. Anyway, I think uh, we are just about out of time because I have a call coming up. So, thank you, dear listeners, for sticking with us through our our nerding out session here. Yeah. I know at least one person wanted it. Yep. But hopefully well, the some first of the stuff was useful. Yeah. Hopefully the first half of the episode was useful. I think it was. And for anybody wanting to see maybe a list of our favorite games and also some of the things we talked about, some of the links we may have mentioned. Uh, I know we mentioned James's book, Atomic Habits. Yeah. You're done with it. I'm guessing, right? Oh yeah. I finished it the okay. day that I told you about the part in chapter like 11 or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You were pretty far. I have not yet finished it, but I already recommend it. Yeah. And it, I think you recommend it. It's good. It. Super good book. So maybe read that book as homework. Uh, I think we're going to do that episode in two or three weeks. Okay. So, But if you don't want to read it, we will be discussing many of the best points from it, which will probably convince you to read it. Anyway, cigpodcast.com slash 236 is where you can find the show notes for this episode. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click the link in the description down below. And that's about all we've got for you. So thank you guys so much for hanging out. If you enjoy this show, share it with a friend. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you like to listen. And if you really want to support us on Apple Podcasts, there is a rating and review section. So leaving us a rating and review is definitely hugely appreciated. Also sharing with friends, hugely appreciated. Uh, beyond that, just thanks for sticking around with us, listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.